Hey everyone, live from New York City, I'm Jay Dombeck and this is Sports In-Depth. Hey guys, how's everyone doing today? I'm here with legendary sports commentator Kenny Albert. I had the pleasure to meet you, Kenny, at the Amway Center in Orlando. Thanks for taking some time to do this today with me. It's much appreciated. I have a few questions here for you today, and uh, I wanted to double check. How you doing, man? I'm good, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Uh, It was great meeting you last month in Orlando. Uh, You provided tremendous hospitality when I walked into the building and uh, had a a fun time chatting with you, so... Uh, happy to join you on the podcast. I appreciate it. I really do. It was a pleasure uh, meeting you too. Meeting my hero is always a good thing. So, uh, yeah, first of all, what kind of preparation goes into play-by-play announcing? Well, Jay, to me, preparation is the most important aspect of of my job. And I learned that at a young age. Um, you can never be over-prepared. And, and I do tend to over-prepare because you don't want to be in a situation where uh, all of a sudden a player appears on the ice or the court or the field and you know nothing about that player. So um, I have a checklist that I go through no matter what the sporting event is, whether it's a football game, a hockey game, a a basketball game, a baseball game, and it involves uh, reading a lot of articles written about both teams over the prior week or so. Um, I try to watch at least the, the most recent game that, that both teams played, um, attending practices and press conferences and talking to players and coaches. Now, prior to the pandemic, a lot of that was in person. Now we do some of that via Zoom. Uh, so there's really a lot that goes into it, production meetings with your crew. Um, and again, I go down that checklist uh, for each and every game. Now, football uh, lends itself to the most preparation, the most time, uh, for a play-by-play broadcaster because I don't work for one team specifically. I do different teams every week. So, uh, for example, this Sunday I have the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm helped out a little bit by the fact that I worked the Cardinals game last week. So uh, that allows me to cut down on the preparation a little bit. But next week I have Minnesota-San Francisco. I haven't done a 49ers game all year, and it's week 11, so – I have to play catch-up on the entire season, so it'll, it'll be uh, definitely some more time next week uh, with a team that I haven't seen all year. Uh, with hockey and basketball, it's a little different because they play three or four games a week. Uh, you're around certain teams more than others, so uh, you have that uh, built-in knowledge of, of those teams. Uh, for example, uh, the New York Rangers and the New York Knicks for me. Now, when I do a national game, Uh, such as last night, the Seattle Kraken and the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, it's a little more research again because I was seeing both teams for the first time. So uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but it's fun work. Um, And there's really nothing else that I would rather be doing. Um, I I always say that uh, I never feel like I'm going to work. I could be sitting in an office doing something I hate every day, uh, which is certainly not the case. So um studying for sporting events and broadcasts uh, really never gets old to me. That's awesome, Kenny. I I love to hear that because I want to be in your shoes one day. So uh, it's really exciting. And thanks for that detailed answer. 
The next question here, what's your favorite sport to do play-by-play -play for and why? You know, it's a hard question to answer, Jay. I really love them all. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, doing hockey on the radio was my goal. Uh, I loved hockey. I loved all sports, but hockey was probably a little bit ahead of the others. And my first job was, uh, I was very fortunate to get hired by a minor league hockey team, the Baltimore Skipjacks. Uh, worked in Baltimore for two years, would not trade those years in for anything. It was such a great learning experience. Uh, was very lucky in high school uh, when Cox Cable on Long Island came to my school to film a girls basketball game. And I volunteered to announce that game and chatted with the producer uh, after the game ended. And he offered me, uh, I would say I worked between 75 and 100 games the next three years, uh, high school basketball, baseball, hockey, football, soccer, lacrosse, you name it. And it really uh, allowed me to experience uh, the calling a variety of sports, which I've always loved. And started out doing hockey, but uh, then added some basketball and, and baseball fill-in work when I worked down in Washington, D.C. in the early 90s. And then when Fox and Rupert Murdoch uh, stole the NFC package away from CBS in 1994. Uh, that gave a number of young play-by-play -play broadcasters, including myself, the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, Joe wow. Buck, Tom Brenneman, Kevin Harlan, and I were all hired at the same time by Fox in 94. And none of us ever had even dreamt of working NFL football games on TV, especially at such a young age. So um, I really love the ball. I mean, hockey has been a passion, you know, from a young age. Uh, I've called now 450 NFL games on Fox, and uh, there's such an adrenaline rush every Sunday at 1 o'clock when they kick off, and really enjoy doing basketball and worked a lot of baseball through the years as well. So it's like asking which kid you like best if you have four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Sports are the best. Next one's a fun one. Predictions for this NFL season. I've been hearing you call a lot of Eagles games lately. I feel they're improving week to week. What do you think? Yeah, I think they are. Uh, the last Eagles game I called was their win over the Detroit Lions. It was a, a route a couple of weeks ago. Um, I usually try to stay away from predictions, Jay, because, well, for a couple of reasons. A, I have to call the games down the middle. And B, I'm usually wrong. It, it's amazing. We go in, you know, we'll, part of the preparation on Fridays, we go to the home team practice and we sit down with players and coaches and, uh, we do the same thing Saturday with the visiting team when they arrive in the city. And, you know, we always joke, my broadcast partners and I, that we have such access and uh, get to talk to the coaches and the players, and it's so much fun. And, you know, we might think the game's going to go one way, and yeah. most of the time it goes the other way. Yeah, uh, yeah. This past weekend, we had the 8-1 Arizona Cardinals and the, the struggling Carolina Panthers, who had lost uh, four of their last five games. And... Wouldn't you know it? The, the Panthers come out and took a 17-0 lead in the first quarter and, uh, you know, go on to a pretty easy victory over the Cardinals. So, you know, that, that's why I don't gamble. It's why I don't make predictions because yeah. sports is the best reality TV. You just, you just don't know on any given day. Absolutely. No, I hear that. And uh, that was an exciting one. I was happy for Cam Newton screaming, I'm back, and a uh, big upset over Arizona. That was a fun one to watch. I tuned into that. So, yeah, it was, and a great, a great job by our crew, our, our camera people and, and the audio folks who, uh, you know, were right there, ready for Cam Newton. And uh, Jonathan Dolma and I, you know, knew to shut up in the booth after <laughs> we scored the touchdown. You know, you kind of want to let uh, the pictures tell the story. And fortunately, 
neither of us were talking when, when Cam Newton screamed on back, on back, because it made for great television. Yeah, great TV. And uh, last question, uh, back to a broadcasting question. How do you communicate with the statisticians mid-game? Do you have to multitask while watching the game, while calling the game, excuse me? There is, there is a lot of multitasking. Um, many of the statisticians and spotters that I work with um, are folks that I've been with for a long time and we're so comfortable working together. A lot of it is hand signals and index cards. And um, in football, for example, I have a statistician and a spotter. And again, it's the same person every week for the most part. So you get into a rhythm. Uh, the statistician's passing me note cards. I might ask him some questions uh, to look up, uh, you know, during the course of a game. And with the spotter, like I said, there are a lot of hand signals and he's used to my system. I'm used to his system. So it seems to work out pretty well. Awesome, Kenny. Thanks. And uh, yeah, thanks so much again for your time today. And I wanted to give a quick shout out. Congratulate your father, Marv Albert, on a legendary career in broadcasting. You know, watching the two of you between you and him, it's, it's just been special growing up that way. So uh, much love your guys' way. Well, Jay, I really appreciate it. I will pass that along. Uh, never thought he would utter the word retirement or actually retire, but uh, he turned eight last June, seems really happy. I spoke with him yesterday, and I know he's enjoying watching a lot of sports on television, watching movies, catching up on readings. So uh, we'll definitely pass along your sentiments. Yep, thank you, and uh, good for him. And uh, stay in touch, Kenny, until next time. Jay, it was great meeting you in Orlando. Uh, keep up the terrific work. I know you've sent me a couple of the podcasts, and I'll definitely check them out along the way. Uh, Thanks for having me on today and keep in touch for sure. Yes, I'll keep in touch. One day I'll be in your shoes, Kenny. Appreciate it. I hope I hope we're uh, we're in a broadcast booth either together or right next to each other one day. I look forward to it. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. Thanks, Jay. And that was Kenny Albert, guys. It was really interesting to hear about his broadcasting career. So honored to have him on. It was amazing for him to join us on Sports In Depth. And now for a quick sports update. Hey, guys, coming at you live. Buccaneers-Giants, it's a close one at half within a score. I wanted to talk a little bit about Sunday's matchups in the National Football League because there were a few good games and a few blowouts. I wanted to touch up upon the Indianapolis Colts because I think they're red hot and I think they are heading into a promising direction. Jonathan Taylor, five TDs against the Buffalo Bills on the road, 32 carries with 185 yards on the ground. And I think Wentz is playing better week to week and now we see they're a game above 500, and that's a big-time deal. And the Buffalo Bills, on the other hand, fell into second place in the AFC East. And I knew that one would happen, folks. The New England Patriots, also a team like the Indianapolis Colts, heading in a great direction. Uh, their football team is really clicking on all cylinders. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Ravens-Bears. Ravens were able to win a football game without Lamar Jackson. They sit at 7-3, and three, and it was well coached by John Harbaugh for them to squeak it out. We saw Justin Fields get hurt on the Chicago side of the ball, and Andy Dalton came in firing, but it wasn't enough. Justin Tucker, of course, the best kicker in our league, 
knocking down some field goals, and one TD rush for Devontae Freeman for those Baltimore Ravens. They are also heading in a direction where I feel they can pick up stride. We hope that Lamar is going to be back healthy. It was an illness. It wasn't COVID. So uh, we'll see next week if he's ready to go. I think he'll be ready to rock and roll. Cleveland Browns, I'm going to pass over them, especially with Baker Mayfield talking negatively about his own fan base. You never do that as a quarterback, as a leader of the football team. Baker Mayfield made a big mistake, and for that, the Cleveland Browns are heading in the wrong direction, folks. I wanted to talk a little bit next about anyone can beat anyone in the National Football League. The Tennessee Titans are the number one seed, folks, in the AFC. They lost to the Houston Texans. Unacceptable. Tyrod Taylor played some great football, but Ryan Tannehill must be better, folks. I mean that. You can't throw four interceptions against a bottom feeder. And the Houston Texans are a bottom feeding team. And I must say that, no disrespect to all my dogs out in Houston, but they don't got it. And uh, Tennessee should have came ready to play. They were at home. I know the weather was not great, but they have to come out with a W. Quick hiccup in the road. Tennessee, hopefully they catch stride and move in the right direction following this loss. The best game on Sunday, folks, Packers-Vikings. And I do not have enough to say about Kirk Cousins' main target, Justin Jefferson. He's just phenomenal. If you ask me from the receiver standpoint, I want Jefferson or I want Jamar Chase on my team. Jefferson on Sunday, eight receptions for 169 yards and two TDs. We know what Dalvin can do on the ground and out of the HB slip screen game. But Jefferson, I mean, Kirk Cousins is doing enough to win. He played turnover-free football on Sunday. He threw for 341 yards and three TDs. Aaron Rodgers did have a good game, but it just wasn't enough. A high-scoring battle, and this was the type of football game, divisional matchup. We know that the last team to have it is going to win the football game, and it happened to be Minnesota at home. So congrats to the Vikes. Vikes, New England, and the Indy Colts. Guys, those three teams are heading in a really, really good direction, as I was saying earlier in this show. And, uh, you know, a lot of football left to be played, but I think good things are happening for these football programs. I'm going to touch upon two more games from Sunday. Cowboys lost to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, they've been struggling defensively, guys, all season long. And guess what happened? They turned the page. The Chiefs won the game on Sunday because of their defense. Shout out Chris Jones. The Dallas Cowboys only scored nine points. Dak Prescott, two interceptions. I know he didn't have a lot of time in the pocket on Sunday, guys, but he must be better. I think they're going to be just fine. I mean, Patrick Mahomes played pretty well, but it was really, you know, the defense. Mahomes had 260 yards passing. But he didn't even have a passing TD in the game for them to win. Low-scoring battle, 19-9. Not a common football score, but uh, enough to get it done for the Chiefs at Arrowhead. We know they lead their division, the AFC West, rocking and rolling. And speaking of the AFC West, let's transition into the LA Chargers. Shout out my cousin Austin Anthony getting engaged. I'm shouting him out for that, but also because of this Charger win. It was big time. Yes, they gave up the lead late in the fourth, 
but they won the football game 41-37. to Another great game. I mean, high scoring. Big Ben came ready to play. 273 yards passing with three TDs. And Herbert, 382 yards passing with three TDs. He's just really been the story. And we know he's clicking with his weapons. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. But guys, how about Austin Eckler out of the backfield? It's been good. It's been real, real good. I was hoping for the Chargers it wasn't one of their classic endings where they lose a close one and a few unlucky plays, you know, block punts, interceptions late. But they were able to squeak this one out. And I'm happy Justin Herbert is a great quarterback and a great leader. I say this because he didn't panic when he was down. He was up most of the game, then he was down in the fourth. He knew what he had to do to win the game, and that was to find one of his two main targets, either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, and he went to Big Mike for the score. That's a big-time win for the Chargers, and this is going to have them go in the right direction. I really mean that because we know their coach, Coach Staley. He gets trigger-happy on fourth, and I was hesitant for them to go for it on fourth and inches. Um, They didn't get it, put the Steelers in field goal range pretty much right away. But it didn't end up biting him. Uh, They were able to get the football back. They were able to score. I like to see that. You know, I don't want coaches to feel when they gamble or decide on a gutsy play that if they don't make it or don't get the first down, it's a bad call. Football's 50-50. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not going to work, folks. But... These coaches are put in spots where they have to make calls on the run. And when I mean calls on the run, split-second decision. They must make the call. They have a few seconds, especially if it's a hurry up on the play. And I thought Staley coached a pretty good football game uh, for the Chargers. One so-so call there on fourth. But, hey, he went with the momentum of his team. And, hey, it resulted in a W. Even if that possession didn't work out, the overall game did, folks. So that is big time. And that's a little bit of our NFL wrap here today. Once again, our team was very excited to have Kenny Albert on in the beginning portion of our show here today to break down his side of the business. Absolute pleasure. Sports In-Depth heading in a promising direction like the New England Patriots, and I do mean that. And uh, everyone enjoy the second half of Tampa against the New York Giants. It's going to be a good one. Love the fans. Love y'all. Love my fam. Happy Thanksgiving to all. And see y'all next week. J.D. out.